Welcome to If the Walls Could Talk, a series of conversations about smart buildings, connecting key thinkers in the property world with each other and you. I'm Ari Berendrecht, founder and CEO of WiredScore, the certification company dedicated to making the world's buildings smarter and better connected. Implementing the right tech foundations in smart buildings is a topic we've discussed at length with some really valuable contributions from the likes of Silvia Yanis, Director of Innovation and Development at GMP, the Spanish real estate group, Martin Frohawk, who's shaping the future of the workspace for ARM, the technology giant and world's leading semiconductor IP company, and Mark Gile, founder and CEO of Thing Technologies, the leading building management platform. Today, we're gonna to be talking about what we've learned from those conversations. And I'm thrilled that joining me to do that are Jules Barker, Global Director of Product, and Sand Ranasinger, Global Director of Research and Development at WiredScore. Before we get into the content, I thought it would be great if you could just talk very briefly about what you each do at WiredScore. Um, Sand, do you want to get started? Thanks, Ali. Yeah, so in my role as Global Director of Research Development, I head up the team that develops all the scorecards that are used as part of our certification product. And um, through 2019 and 2020, I was really heading up the teams that specifically developed the Smart Score scorecard that has been foundational to how we look at smart buildings. Where Sanj is responsible for making sure that the scorecards are technologically correct, my team's responsible for making sure that the product that wraps around it is valuable to clients and uh, that we're building something that really clients want to buy. Sanj, as you said, you led the development of the Smart Score scorecard which we broadly break down into two parts, user functionality of a smart building and tech foundations of a smart building. Can you talk about how you think about tech foundations and why you designed our smart score framework in that way? As, as Mark and Martin both highlighted in their sessions, technology platform is needed for a successful smart building to be created. Um, so therefore the technological foundation section of our scorecard um, evaluates that capability of the building systems, the network and the foundational connectivity um, of a building to make sure that technology can come together and um, be that basis or underlay, as, as Martin called it, um, of a building. Maybe this is a trick question, but what, what is more important in a smart building? Is it the user functionality or is it the technology foundations? Yeah, I think I'll take it as a trick question. I think the idea is a balance rather, one, rather than one being more important than the other. Martin from Arm highlighted that there's plenty of scope for landlords and developers to better present the technological foundations of a building, but then also to actually go above and beyond that, above that norm, to enhance the occupier experience and capabilities by actually bringing forward more of those use cases and not just relying on the occupier to integrate them themselves. So whilst we've got that sort of slight weight towards user functionality, I think um, the balance is key rather than saying tech or user are more important than the other. One of the key themes I took away from uh, the experts in this series uh, was the idea that to create a smart building that works, first you need to figure out what the building stands for before you can figure out how to make it smart with technology. Um, Jules, let's go to you. I think Sylvia was one of the folks who talked about this at length. What did you learn in your conversation with Sylvia about what a building needs to stand for? I love the way that Sylvia started. She talked about um, thinking about a building as being like a person and that person or that building having the kind of attributes that made you want to have a long lasting relationship with them. And I thought that was a really powerful idea. I love the way you think of um, you think of the benefits of the building being about 
making you want to come back there, making you want to get something out of it. And she then went on to, to talk about something that's really foundational to the way that we at WideScore think about smart buildings, which is focusing on the outcomes. And, um, you know, I, I, I suspect that's something I'm going to keep talking about over the next 15 minutes quite a bit because it's something I fundamentally believe is really important, that smart buildings are about focusing on the outcomes. In my sense is the industry today says, well, um, you know, it's not up to us as the landlord to decide what a building should stand for. It's our, it's our occupants. It's the users of the building that need to tell us. That's pretty challenging when you're conceiving of a, a project for a building before any tenants have committed to the building. How can developers or landlords decide what the building stands for in absence of a occupier signed on to, to give those answers? There are certain fundamental things a building can stand for, and we, we all know what, generally speaking, people want. Sylvia talked about linking smart and sustainability, and, and we know that's something that's fundamentally existentially important for for us as a human race right now and so linking those two things together is is really important and it's going to be really powerful you're absolutely right that at the at the super detailed level the ultimate users of a building um, are the ones that need to be there to define the detail of the outcomes but there's a massive amount of work that can be done can be done to define the outcomes, to define what a building stands for at the higher level and drive that in the early stages. And then of course, as you get towards the detail, which you can need to do later, the task is to make sure that you've future-proofed the building, you've enabled enough um, left and right of, uh, of arc to enable you to get to those detailed uses correctly. I think one that did come up for your discussions was how the the pace at which technology changes. I think this was touched upon when we look about open data standards. Um, think about a standard in a way of integrating new technology into your building so that you aren't stuck with last year's sensor or last year's piece of technology and your building's ready to upgrade from a technology perspective. This, um, I think again, it was Sylvia thinking about the constraints of retrofits. You know, you have those space constraints or construction material constraints and even people still being in the building while you're retrofitting it. But one of the areas that you can really be innovative there is how you can use technology and have, say, this core platform that both Mark and Martin mentioned that can plug in new technology as it becomes available. Um, you don't need to know what that is. It's around thinking about how your platform is flexible to adopt to that in the future. We're all talking about the same second theme here, which is the role of data. In any smart buildings uh, conference or, or panel, we'll be talking almost entirely about the role of data in, in real estate development and in operation of buildings. I want to just first demystify something. And Sylvia said, open data standards help to future-proof buildings. Can you explain, one of you explain what that means, why open data standards are so important to the flexibility and evolution of a smart building? I think what's important is let's not define what an open data standard is, but let's go back to what it actually does. And what it's really doing is breaking down those silos that are in place. They've been mentioned by a number of people. You know, you have the BMS could be one silo. Your access control system is another silo. And thinking about open data and its utilization is the way to break down those silos to give you what is really this common way of your building talking to you and you talking um, to it. And, and that really starts to resonate to what the technological foundation part of the scorecard's about. If you join those all up together, you can then deliver a greater set of functionalities to all the users of the building. 
And what I thought really changed the game on this was the way that Mark put it so um, elegantly, was that when you think about representing data in a consistent way, think about what it's representing, not how it's representing it. So he brought the example of a desk occupancy and the, um, the rather novel use case of a temperature sensor. You could use a temperature sensor to measure the heat of a laptop to say that someone was there. What you want to know from that is not the temperature, you want to know that someone's there. And it's really that, that framing of your open data of not only thinking about like what is the data it's capturing, but what is it representing? As a landlord, how can you ensure that the technology you're procuring for your building is following open data standards? There are a few existing standards out there that you can specify within the procurement process. So uh, at different levels of device naming systems or uh, naming standards, there are things like Haystack, um, there's BDNS that, that Google and British Land have, have created. And you can and, and should, as a landlord, be specifying that within your procurement processes for people to adopt that those common naming standards. And that makes life so much easier when you come to plug everything together into a smart building and, and as I was talking about earlier also then being able to share that data so that you can leverage larger data sets together to make buildings more efficient. One other topic with regards to data I wanted to quickly touch on is how data makes a building more valuable. Did you learn anything from these episodes that was kind of non-obvious, something new to you with regards to data creating value with, with regards to buildings? For me, there were two. Um, one still fairly obvious, which is ESG, which is talked about a lot at the moment. And the other was obsolescence prevention. I think that's a real turning point that we're seeing in the market of smart technology. It's no longer for the newest and shiniest buildings, especially when we look at retrofitting and that idea that you're, you're retrofitting a building or refurbing a building and you're still running the risk that if you don't invest properly in smart technologies, that building's gonna be obsolete in another five or 10 years. There's not only technology, but construction materials, space limitations, and existing occupiers staying in the building. So you always need to think about um, overcoming these challenges in retrofitting rather than just sort of adopting to them. And I think what Mark showed was how with relatively little investment, you can do things quickly. So um, for example, room booking was the example he gave. You, whilst it's not, um, sort of integrated to the depths of the building. You can do that via sort of a calendar app system. You can then see engagement with users of the building initially before then deploying more capital for sensors to understanding if people who wanted to engage with the building actually used the room in the right way before then maybe integrating the, the lower level and more technical um, investments in, say, the AV systems. And I think uh, retrofitting buildings um, really gives a great opportunity to drive new value streams. I think as well as a as a potential building investor, having really clear, good quality data streams on the performance of that building uh, allows you to be much more confident and, and allows you to reduce the perceived risk in making that purchase. So it'll allow you to feel confident to pay top dollar for a building because you, you know that it's not risking, as Sanj said, imminent obsolescence. It's not risking being a stranded asset because certain ESG um, issues are present. It, it, you know that it's not going to suddenly cost a great deal more to run it or be less attractive to users because you have those detailed data streams. One more theme I, I wanted to unpack uh, I think Martin coined the term underlay and overlay of the building. Uh, and I, I had never heard that kind of framing before. Um, Sanj, do you want to unpack what he meant by that and why that's important? 
Yeah, I think it's actually a really novel way of describing what we've done with, with SmartScore, with our two sections of user functionality being that overlay and technological foundations being the underlay. So it's not just the systems and the technology, it's how you know about implementing them. And that overlay is that, that view and capabilities that people in the building will get. So be that the occupiers, the property managers, or even up to the asset managers, and including the members of the public. That underlay is the potential to deliver a whole raft of overlays, and not just the ones for today. And as Jules mentioned about thinking, landlords can really push the agenda here about what are those overlay features of the future, and how have you made sure that you can best utilize your underlay today to deliver on what you need in the future. It was a, 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 lovely, a lovely sort of analogy that, that Martin put together there. I think it's time to wind down, but I did want to close on a practical note. Um, so I'd love to ask each of you, uh, whoever wants to go first, to provide one piece of actionable advice you would give to someone when it comes to creating or managing a smart building that works. I think that breadth of understanding of buildings potential is key. So my advice would be to widen the scope of what systems, processes and people you're considering within um, the management of a smart building to ensure you can deliver the best features for owners, operators and occupiers alike. Go back to the outcomes, start at the outcomes and work out from there what technolo technology you want to deliver. With a twist though, because I also thought that something Mark said is really going to stick with me. And when he was talking about ROI, if you're trying to link a tech investment to an immediate rental growth, you're going to struggle. But if you as a landlord really understand the full value chain of your product, suddenly you can unlock a lot of investments. You can make the better decisions about delivering the most important outcomes in a way that really delivers value. All right, fantastic. Thank you both for your time and for helping me kind of unpack everything we learned in the series. That's fantastic. And that's it for this episode. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to If the Walls Could Talk using your usual podcast provider. And thanks for listening. Thank you.